You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lupatin. This week on the show, my conversation with a fearless, fleet-fingered string band who is adventurously advancing the high, lonesome sound of southern bluegrass to great acclaim, not from the swampy states where it's known best, but from a lakeside folk hotbed that has become the cosmopolitan music mecca of Canada, Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, the Slokin Ramblers. You guys may not be aware of this, but Canada, despite being right there above our heads the whole time, is a different musical universe. Sure, me and my seventh grade girlfriend's song was one week by Scarborough, Ontario's Bare Naked Ladies. Everybody knows them, but overall, headliners and stars in Canada can safely stay up there with their free healthcare and their kind, loyal fan bases and never really need to journey down here to the States much. This is a big territory, and they tell you that you have to play from Austin to Boston and break every major market, but you know what? Maybe that's an old school way of thinking. Maybe staying more regional and going to where your fans really are, maybe that's the new way of touring. Look at a band like the Canadiana Heroes Blue Rodeo. Most folks in the States probably have no idea who I'm talking about, but in Canada, they're big. They've been releasing records since 1984, and they'll play the Lady Gaga slot at some of Canada's biggest festivals. Man, do they have some fun festivals. I've been lucky enough to play some of the bigger folk fests in Winnipeg and Calgary and Vancouver Island. We even played a super strange country music throwdown in Nova Scotia. They really mix their stew with different flavors than us. Most of the people working these festivals are all volunteers, and all of the bands and all the artists They eat and they hang out with the volunteers. No one is given special treatment. It's kind of amazing. And on the main stages, under the brightest lights, they do not bow down to whoever has the most Instagram followers, whoever has their own fedora line or maybe their own TV show. They'll put string bands like my guest Slokin Ramblers with unknown Inuit throat singers, pair them with hip-hop jazz experimenters and African drum ensembles and weird folk soul brass bands like my band, and they'll expect everyone to workshop with each other's songs and blend together, and it's terrifying and amazing, and we would never do such a thing in our star-crazed need-my-own-space festival circuit here in the States. What I'm saying is Canada is its own ecosystem. It nurtures and promotes its artists and bands no matter what they play. It was pretty cool to see the Slokin Ramblers' newest string odyssey, Queen City Jubilee, featuring a lovable zombie on its painted cover, be nominated to the Canadian equivalent of the Grammy this year, the Juno for Traditional Roots album. I had previously played a show with these guys in a futuristic Star Trek-looking hall in Oregon, but I got lucky when I saw them swinging through Southern California recently, and I got Frank, Adrian, Daryl, and Alistair to get cozy around one mic with me. Not gonna lie, I had my salty American humor test these charming lads a bit, Make sure you stick around to the end where we hear them doing a musical experiment or ask them to respond to highly offensive Cards Against Humanity prompts and things go crazy. In the end, having these guys over for pizza and bluegrass around one mic is exactly what they were born to do. Sometimes simple is best. Stacking their harmonies and flinging their banjo, bass, guitar, and mando licks into the stratosphere, asking us listeners to hold on for dear life. If the music is a bit jarring when it comes in, it's because... You know, old school bluegrass is about the most rock and roll thing you can hear in person. Super glad I got them to record before they played in the saloon across town here in LA. Here they are now, the Slokin Ramblers. You guys just came in from Canada. Tell me who you are. Go around the mic. Yeah, we're the Slokin Ramblers here. Just kind of flew in all bleary-eyed from Toronto. Uh, This is Adrian Gross, mandolin player over here. This is Alistair Whitehead, I'm the bass player. 
Daryl Paulson, the guitar player. And Frank Evans on the banjo. I was trying to ask you guys about previous times you've been through California, and there was a bit of a, a situation <laughs> at a hotel at a bad part of town yeah. here in L.A. It was involved it was, maybe some gunplay and some, some police. Gunplay. It was it was all like more entertaining because we were talking about the juxtaposition of we had played a really nice gig the night before, uh, which put us up in a very nice hotel in a part of Santa Monica, and we got like champagne when we checked in and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves but uh yeah. reality this is kicked... what la's life i, I know this is the la life you know? right? yeah. and then the next day reality kicked in and uh we had to book our own hotel so being the frugal people we are we booked something much more in our budget range and uh showed up to a very different hotel and we're there for all of 30 seconds before i think the dea showed up and kicked down somebody's door in the hotel room uh, below us and uh, pulled him out in handcuffs yeah, yeah. yeah, guns yeah. out and everything. So. It was like an episode of Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, it was, it was like, oh, here's the east side of L.A. versus the west. I don't know if the whole east side is very different from the west side, but from our experience, the west side was pretty, pretty swing. East side is like, how dare you? <laughs> I, yeah, but to be honest, we had a lot of fun there. We yeah, had, like, the yeah we had great meals. And yeah, food. it was a pretty awesome spot. Nice and, to walk uh, around. Yeah, and the food was a lot cheaper and, yeah. a, lot, and a lot better, so yeah. there you go. We just... Gave you some of our finest West Side pizza. Yeah, that was it. Hit the spot. You yeah, know, yeah. it was slow. It was mediocre. Yes. But, uh, it got the job yeah. done. Filled the hole. It was laid Filled back. the hole. Yeah. Is there is there like an East Side West Side divide in Toronto? Like, is there? For a, sure. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. There's the the Don Valley, which kind of divides the city in half. And I grew up in the East Side of Toronto, and so a lot of people I know who uh, the West Side is definitely. I have to admit, even coming from the East Side, the West Side is where all the uh, cool stuff happens. Slowly changing, but there's there's a lot of fun things that happen in the West Side. But um, <clears throat> I always grew up with with people who you know had lived in Toronto their entire life and had never made the trek out to the East End. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's a whole part of Toronto. Yeah. It's got a lot of fun things going on, but uh, good. yeah, it's definitely a divide. I remember taking a family trip to Toronto uh, and you know going by the lake in the summer, and like some of the girls were topless. And I was like pretty pumped about Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What part of like, Toronto were you? I was like, yeah, Canada's really Arizona? great. Like, I think I should move here. Yeah, yeah. There's other reasons, but you know, that's actually one of my close friends. Actually, he's a he's a great guitar player. A fellow named Ben Wright plays a man called the Barrel Boys, a bluegrass band. It was his dad from Guelph, Ontario, and his dad was a lawyer who represents. So a woman went topless in a store in Guelph. This was like maybe in the early '90s or '80s. And then she got in trouble for arrest or whatever, and then she put up a fight and said, it's my right to do this. And it was one of my, one of my close friends' dad, that was the lawyer that took it all the way to the top, and then eventually they just, yeah, that was the law. You were allowed to go topless. So you can thank Ben for seeing him. Nicely done. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> so what, is, uh, what does Slocan mean? Where is that from in Canada? Um, <clears throat> so the Slocan Valley is actually uh, a region in the interior of British Columbia. It's a pretty kind of remote region in the southern interior, and I spent all my summers growing up there and uh, spent a lot of time out there. That's where my granddad lived. And uh, Yeah, when we were putting the band together, we just kind of started out uh, playing bar gigs in Toronto, and at that point, it was just we were all getting into bluegrass and didn't really have you know big plans for the band to be a, a big touring act. And I was reading a book about... Uh, there was a big silver mining boom in that region in the like, late 1800s, and there was all these crazy stories about kind of Wild West, people killing each other over prospects and blowing up trains and stuff. And well, you do that in Canada, too? Yeah, we do. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's universal. Um, 
Yeah, so I just kind of, the, the aesthetic and the themes kind of fit really well with kind of the music, and at that point, uh, yeah, we decided to name our band after a, a little-known remote region in British Columbia where uh, I'm the only one that's from, but it's, it's called the Slocan Rambler, and the Slocan Rambler is actually the name of an old silver mine that's not too far from my parents' house. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like, like my band, Dust Bowl Revival, there's probably a lot of Rambler bands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you played... Shows with other ramblers, like oh, a little yeah. rambler bill. Yeah, well, it's funny. We seem to get, like, um, we've been called the Slocan Rangers before. I feel like ranger and ramblers seem to yeah. be pretty interchangeable. So ramblers. Got, yeah, the Slocan Rumblers, Slocan <laughs> Rangers. And then uh, I think I was, yeah, talking to some other bands who have the name Rangers in their band, and they said they had the exact same thing. They get called the Ramblers, like, whatever. Like, you know, just interchange the name, and it all kind of works. They put us uh, at one point in Wikipedia as Dust Hole Rebellion. Yeah. Oh, Where does that come from? <laughs> Dust Hole. Dust Hole. I don't even want to... Yeah, this is a G-rated podcast. Yeah. That. Oh, it's not G-rated. Dust Hole oh, Rebellion. Rebellion? Yeah. Dust Hole Rebellion. It's just had too much. Yeah. You can't live under those conditions anymore. You gotta explain to me the the cover of your newest record, <laughs> Queen City Jubilee. Uh, imagine in Radio Town, uh, they have this album cover that is the beautiful city of Toronto sort of sprouting out of the wilderness to the right, and then what I think is a zombie in flip-flops yeah. sort of walking away from Pretty the good. city. With a banjo. With a banjo. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's a, a little piece of artwork that I had fun painting. and um, Oh, you painted it? I did, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. So I, I used to be really into graphic novels, and uh, I, I even... It did a school project where I made a graphic novel, um, and used to be, uh, you know, quite practiced at drawing. But uh, just like music or anything else, the less you practice it, the less um, able you are to manipulate it in two ways you want it to be. So, we had talked about doing an album cover, and uh, and the thought came out that maybe I should take a stab at it or something like that. And so I basically uh, locked myself in my room for about three to four days and uh, started painting these things and had a fairly large canvas and a couple different canvases to work with. But, you know, what I had pictured in my mind was this very jovial sight of someone kind of <laughs> dancing on this mountaintop with these fireworks in the back because the album's called Queen City Jubilee. And uh, what came out was not quite the same thing. He's a, a little more apocalyptic and, as you described, a kind of a zombie. He's very pale and skinny and frail. And uh, so then at that point, I decided to just go with it. So put some, you know, polka dot underwear and flip-flops and off to the races. Yeah, the flip-flops are my favorite. Touch. <laughs> okay, yeah. so it's like he's not going fast. No. no. Like he's just like, he's got the banjo. Yeah. He's kind of moseying away from town. Yeah. As zombies do. Yeah. 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 Well, post-apocalyptic Toronto, you gotta, you gotta lean into it, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's he fully embraced the, uh, the situation he's in. People, he's by the way... He's jubilant time of his own. Yes, yeah. he's having his own jubilee. I will mention that whenever someone comes up to me after this, this is Adrian here speaking, I'm not the artist, but uh, people always ask me about it. I mentioned that Frank, our banjo player, did it. Literally every single person says, oh, is that an autobiograph? Is that a self-portrait yeah. of Frank? Right. So I know yeah. you let you take that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Does wait 25 years? I'd say. Do you well, own flip-flops? Give it 10. Give it 10. Do you own flip-flops? I do. Oh, yes. uh, there you go. First step. There wasn't resentment that you put a banjo player on the cover and not... Mandolin. Uh, that's a good question. You know, I've drawn a lot of banjos in my life, so uh, I figured that was a safe bet. Mandolins, they're, they're tough to, you know, get in the scrolls right and everything like that. Yeah, I don't know. So uh, Listen, if I draw a painting, I can put whatever I want on it. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, he can put whatever the hell he wants on yeah. it. What is the bluegrass scene in Toronto? 
Uh, it's good. It's like there's usually like a weekly gig every night of the week, and um, it's kind of moved around a little bit. But there's a lot of good bands, and there's a lot of people to play with, and it's it's pretty surprising. I think a lot of people don't realize how much bluegrass there is in Toronto. Really, like they're always pretty surprised when you kind of mention like there's like four or five bands like that kind of go at it. A friend of mine who recommended uh, you guys to me, uh, Devin, who does PR up in Pacific Northwest, you know, likes to preface you guys as dance hall bluegrass. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And Not like the reggae. Yeah, I was about to yeah. say, yeah. Thank yeah. God. None of that disco. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. New old, bangle, old different Well, class. it's funny because there seems to be this odd uh, impulse in a lot of the bands myself included, trying to like shy away from just saying we play bluegrass. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. always like, oh, but actually we play gritty dance hall. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> like, like, please be interested in us. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. like what you guys do with surprising, you know, purity is some really great traditional fast as hell picking, you know, you. and beautiful harmonies in the way that maybe the Clinch Mountain Boys and some of those guys were doing initially, and you guys were doing Appalachian sort of string band jams early on. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how that type of music, which is a very sort of Southern American thing, blossomed in your consciousness up north. I mean, we all kind of have different stories of how we got into it, but I think the one interesting thing, like like you mentioned, and we noticed this too, is like I know a lot of bands that are from like the Southeast, like, the Appalachian area, like people that are from like Appalachia, like real bluegrass country. And a lot of them, their whole MO was to like take bluegrass and then do something really different with it. I feel like for them, bluegrass is just like this like back, like it's what they grew up with and they're so used to it that the whole idea for them is to like take it and try to do something really wide open with it and change it up a ton. For us, it was almost the opposite. Like we grew up playing all sorts of music. Um, You know, Frank, up playing old times since he was a kid, but even old times pretty different from bluegrass in its own way. And yeah, we all grew up doing different stuff. So I think with this band, it wasn't that we all grew up playing bluegrass and wanted to break out of it. It was that we all grew up doing everything else mm. and wanted to play bluegrass. Mm. Like when we got together as a band, the idea was we'll have like a weekly gig and we'll just learn classic bluegrass tunes every week and just try to do that as well as we can because we just love those records and it's just, you know, fun, life affirming music. As you know, it's just like feels really good to play it. So mm-hmm. that was kind of how we came into it. And then, of course, like we start doing our own thing. We start writing. We start all the different influences that we have inevitably come in, you know, conscious or not, and we kind of roll with it. But uh, but you know, I, you know, it's, just, it's a bluegrass band. People ask what we do, and it's like bluegrass. There's a strong old time influence. There's folk. There's roots in there. But you know, most of what we do, like if you don't know bluegrass, like I would say our show definitely sounds like a pretty straight up bluegrass show. If you're really into bluegrass, you'll probably see that there's other stuff going on there. But yeah. Yeah, and, and and you have you know the mandolin, guitar, upright bass, banjo. Yeah. Uh, you know, and does anyone play fiddle? No fiddle. Yeah. Frank's a killer climber banjo player. Yeah. So once you started bringing that into the band, it yeah. kind of opened it up, and all of a sudden, right. all this old time stuff started to come out, and some folkier stuff started to come out. Um, that was kind of a big. I think it, you know influences the sound a lot. Even when he's not playing full time, just like those influences stay with mm-hmm. the band. That's why I think like it's been funny seeing these festivals. You know, like. You know, we played Del McCurry's festival in Maryland, Del Fest. Yeah. And, you know, the the Travel McCurry's and, and Del, they just play this just makes you smile type music. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Super traditional, super old school. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was playing with Bill Monroe. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and then he has all these hippie kids all around yeah. him. Yeah. And, so and then weird. bands like us playing 
funk folk, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, totally cool. Yeah. But also, like, there's not that many people actually doing the real shit. Yeah. You know? It's like, where's the yeah. where's the pure stuff from the young people? And you guys, I think, are a great example of keeping that going and elevating it in a, a new way, you know? Yeah, there's there's tons of little nuances to build upon it that I find, like, every time we record a record, there's just new... Even with just the like the feel that we play with, there's just new stuff that all of us stumble upon that kind of um, excites us all. Like whether it's you listen to a new record that has the same instrumentation that we've been playing, we've been playing for as a band for almost eight years or something like that, and still there's like you know you'll hit, listen to a record that has the same instrumentation as you guys playing, almost the same material, and there'll be these new little feels that you yeah. that you rediscover, and it's just this kind of endless possibility of you know kind of rhythmic patterns and tonal patterns mm-hmm. to play around with and, and it's uh, it's exciting for us to just kind of keep diving deeper into that realm and trying to uh, you know however minute it is like trying to expand it and, and understand it more there's, yeah, for sure huh? there's this uh, this track on your new newest record called Hill Climb Hill to Climb Hill to Climb yeah and um, it has this refrain give me six minutes give me six minutes mm-hmm. If an asteroid was about to hit <laughs> Toronto. Just Toronto. Let's just say it's like, you know, it's coming straight for the CN Tower. Yeah. Right. You know? Okay. Uh, okay. You had six minutes in Toronto. What would you do? Well, I'd, I'd probably just leave town. Yeah. <laughs> you can't get uh, traffic, though, man. You'd <laughs> traffic's bad. Like, what's your boat. favorite thing to do? Like, what's, like, the spot? Yeah. Would you get your favorite sandwich? Would you, like, oh, I'd probably get a jump in the lake? Feel Parmesan sandwich from Patondos. Patondos, oh, yeah. yeah. sure Patondos. That's a pizza shop. There's a great, there's, I'd probably go straight to the pool hall, which is right around the corner from my house. There's a place called the Annex Pool Hall, which has been there forever. <clears throat> and you can get $3 cheeseburgers and uh, play a game of pool for three dollars an hour or something like that that's pretty good it's pretty good there's lots of good spots in toronto i think i'd hit el asador which is the taco spot just up the street get a little burrito some pupusas probably 10 margaritas yeah (laughs) call it a day yeah i live (laughs) right next to a river i'd probably take my mandolin go right down by the river like i often do it i often just play some tunes and uh watch the world end and uh, you know you get a good view from that. i get a good view and you know hopefully you know Alyssa's somewhere far away like yeah. Yeah. There you go. And I guess then we, you know, we might just be able to, if one of us lives, they can compare that experience to the album cover, which would yeah. be nice to see. If yeah, it really does be, line up. Frank will be on the hill, Dan. I orchestrated the whole thing, actually. <laughs> Yesterday, I went thrift store shopping, and in this pair of Levi's, there were $600 uh, in Thai currency. Bot, Thai bot. Interesting. Now I thought six hundred dollars was gonna be a lot. Ends up only being twenty five U.S. dollars, but yeah, it was exciting good. for Still five minutes. Better than a kick in the jeans. Thirty five Canadian, you know. My question in your travels: What is the coolest thing that you found and/or have been given randomly? That's a good question. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, oh. <laughs> We Heavy kind of, questions. Yeah, we, what we, we were in Seattle yeah. and we went to Bop Street oh, yeah. Records and found some pretty old, pretty good old bluegrass records that were in like mint condition that I've never really seen anywhere else. Which but, records? Uh, Manzanita, Blake and Rice, um, a couple bluegrass album bands, and a David Greer record. I got I'm the guitar of... player, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I found a bunch of really nice, like good condition uh, John Harper records that I've been looking for a long time. Yeah, that's awesome. So I got this shirt in Colorado. There you go. There you go. 
Yeah, thrift shop finds are good. Yeah, like just big, weird, ugly sweaters uh, for very cheap amounts of money. Yeah, small town thrift shop. I feel like in Toronto, all the thrift shops are just like picked clean instantly. Mm-hmm. So you find yourself in like middle of nowhere. That's Do you guys do. coordinate your uh, stage outfits before you play <laughs> on an important show? No. Uh, we try to look nice for. Oh, I remember yeah. in the UK, I found a great pair of leather shoes for seven quid. <laughs> The charity that, shops. At the charity, the charity shop. shops. That was a great find, and I wear them. I'll probably wear them tonight. Yeah. The UK charity shops are next level, I think. They're like the thrift store thing here, but you can find some like really nice old vintage like tweed jackets and yeah, leather shoes. You found a nice pair of shoes. Yeah, it's a, those are good ones. I got a pair of skis on the last tour. Oh, yeah, I also good. got a free pair of skis. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, nice touring skis. Yeah, those were great to have in the van, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The guys were so happy about it. Do you guys typically go in one van? Yeah. Yeah, always, yeah. Well, the fold-up Chadwick Bass is key for that. Yeah, well, we first sure. Our very yeah. first tour that we did, we um, <clears throat> flew into Vancouver or Victoria? Yeah, the West Coast. We were doing a West Coast Canadian yeah. tour, and uh, we had a very little idea how to organize that entire tour. Um, and so we <laughs> rented a car that I think was probably advertised as bigger than what it actually was, and it was as cheap as possible, and we ended up Jeep with this compass. Ford, or Jeep Compass, which is basically just an SUV, and we mm-hmm. had Four a cylinder. base and merch for like th- four weeks of touring and stuff like that, and so... It's a cozy ride. Oh we quickly God. found out that that was not going to work, so we had to buy a Thule, and we put the sort of the roof rack on, got some stuff up there. And the tarp over the Thule, because all tarp, our t-shirts yeah, yeah, yeah. were up there. Yeah, 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 we had to tarp it and everything, and we, we made it actually a good ways, we made it through like a crazy lightning storm in that one, but there was one pass that we did from Merit to Hope, and uh, they tell you to gas up before hitting the pass, and of course, I don't. we either didn't see the sign or we neglected the sign, Yeah. and uh, you know, we were driving up, and we could just watch the, uh, the gas meter kind of going down. You could physically yeah. see it, you know, and you're flooring the, the gas, and it's like maybe going 80 kilometers an hour, so yeah. whatever that is, yeah. 50, 60 miles. Um, and uh, we did run out of gas and had to pull over. We, we coasted in neutral for as long as we could. Yeah, this no. powered steering eventually shut off. We had to <laughs> sketchily make it to the side of the road, hitchhike into town, get some gas, come back. But We were uh, about a kilometer away from hitting the gas So station. close. That's how close we like. Oh, did you actually it. hitchhike? Like, thumb out? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And the, basically, like, it happens so often, this, like, second person, like, pulled over. He's like, ah, oh, you guys screwed up. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's the past where it happens, I guess. Yeah. So people were aware. Yeah. But uh, that was like, okay, we need a bigger vehicle yeah. next time. Less I mean, later. yeah, it was obviously the vehicle's fault to have gas <laughs> sure. on the road. I mean, there's no way we could take responsibility. Gas tank wasn't big enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gas tank issue. I mean, it's crazy that, like, our parents would use hitchhiking as, it's like the Uber of their yeah. day, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. for, like, 400 miles, they'd yeah. be like, I need to get from New York back to Chicago. For sure. Yeah, I'll just hitchhike. Yeah. Not an issue. Yeah. I do remember, you were asking about things nice. that uh, we'd been given on the road, and I do remember, as I, this isn't with the band, but I did a, a bicycle trip with uh, my good friend. We cycled from Toronto to Montreal, and on the way back, uh, one of our tires blew, and we were hitchhiking, and no one was picking us up. And I this was my first time hitchhiking ever before. And uh, so this very nice couple picked us up, but I remember when they dropped us off, they gave us 10 bucks and a hatchet. 
And that's what it was like. Take care that's of yourself, guys. That's a very guys. East Coast like, thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ten bucks There's a hatchet. Ten bucks there you a go. hatchet for whatever you needed for. They yeah. handed you a hatchet? They gave me a hatchet. They yeah. just yeah. had a hatchet in the they car? They had a hatchet in their car, Like yeah. extra hatchets? Oh, extra yeah. hatchets. <laughs> you can never have too many hatchets yeah. on the East Coast. What else is in your car? Yeah. I didn't More ask. Hatchets. I didn't that's know the East Coast of Canada got that rowdy. Oh, yeah. Oh, it gets quite rowdy. Are we talking about, like, Newfoundland or, like... This was in Ontario, but yeah, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess oh, the Middle East was the Middle East. I thought you were in the East Coast. Well, you guys, so your your record, uh, Queen City Jubilee, was nominated for a Juno. Yeah. Uh, congrats. Thank you. Best, Thanks. was it Traditional Roots yeah, album? Yeah, I think so. Um, we screwed mm-hmm. that up a lot. Sort of like, <laughs> traditional Roots album, yeah, folk, whatever, yeah. Yeah, Traditional that's Roots like album. Your, that's like your blogs. Grammy Awards, more or less. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Canadian yeah. Grammys. Um, and, you know, Listening, you know, or looking at who was nominated and who won for best breakout artist, yeah. I noticed that this band Washboard Union oh, won yeah. uh, best breakout artist, and they kind of look almost like a trio that plays acoustic bluegrassy stuff, yeah. but it's like super tricked out, yeah. just straight ahead country pop, yeah, right, you know, right. and in a very similar way sort of bringing these same old themes over and over again. You know, I got my truck, and I got you know, <laughs> right. my family, and, and we're drinking, gets old. We're drinking a beer, and then we're going to church. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like these paint-by-numbers yeah, themes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Levi's, church, truck. Yeah. Those are really, there's only really three numbers. Jeans. How, how yeah. many numbers are on is there, I don't know. Is there like a theme or a uh, sort of a paint-by-numbers thing that you feel like bluegrass falls into too much sometimes? I also got a pretty sweet uh, Toyota Tacoma, which we <laughs> sing about most of the time. Yeah. That's a good question. Mm. I kind of, you know... Sometimes, like, death or, like... Death. You know, trains yeah. are in there, you know. Trains. There definitely trains. is, and I, I've, I've... There's, you know, as you were talking about, there's all these different subcategories of bluegrass, and I find um, you you notice it most, like... Sometimes we, when we have these rental vans, we have the satellite radio, and we'll listen to the satellite, the, blue, the bluegrass station. There. Bluegrass Junction. And there's, yeah. there's lots yeah. of good stuff, but then there's also, like... You'll find those cat those those same patterns of of you know pretty much you know coal mining songs and train songs yeah. and a lot of heartache and that kind of stuff and yeah. uh, and it, it they, there is a, a tendency to not stray from those patterns in order in order to be like you know if especially if there's like a non bluegrass band who's who's playing a bluegrass song then though it's like oh this is our this is our ticket we sing about these things and then all of a sudden it's a bluegrass song and so yeah there's definitely gonna be the same tendencies I think. In bluegrasses or in country. Well, you have that song "Just to Know" about sort of, I would cross the sea and mm-hmm. you know the yeah. whole. I would cross this whole land of glory yeah. just to know that I'm in your heart. Yeah. Right. And it's sort of these uh, these forlorn, impossible love songs mm-hmm. that I find yeah. happen in bluegrass a mm-hmm. lot. You know, we're like, I know it's not really possible, but yeah, if it was, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. That would make my whole life complete. Yeah. You know? But we know <laughs> it's know? never going to happen. Yeah. So. yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, country, country music feels like it's almost like accepting or, like, trying to promote this one lifestyle as, like, yeah. like I'm happy where I am, and this is how it should be. Yeah. yeah. You know? Bluegrass is just acceptance of sadness. Yeah, yeah it really is. Or it's aspirational, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what could be if... <laughs> but well, Maybe if I didn't choose to be a bluegrass musician. Yeah. Know? Who wrote Just to Know? Uh, it was me. What is the craziest thing that you have done for love, <laughs> and or to impress a lady, <laughs> or a guy? Do, I don't know. Or a guy. Um, what is the craziest thing? I just went on a crazy random 
uh, European vacation. <laughs> True. Someone I, oh, yeah. I met uh, just once on the road. <laughs> really? Yeah. And then decided to She go. convinced you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And so then we went to, uh, flew into London and went to Berlin and... Uh, was it worth it? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We but, have, uh, heard no details. So. Yeah. It was crazy. It's top secret. Yeah, it's top secret. Top secret. <laughs> that was pretty crazy, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Met her once, and then she's like, meet me in Europe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah actually. That's a good answer. <laughs> when you put it that yeah. way. Brutally honest. Yeah. Are things going to continue? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Definitely <laughs> not. But, uh... They've already been married and There's some couple songs in there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when you guys come to the States, do you feel like some of the songs that you've been playing for years uh, have a certain mythology to them, you know? You know, you just sing about hollers and yeah. all this stuff where <laughs> yeah. it's like, there's no hollers in Toronto. I don't yeah. Think. You know, hollers. I haven't found them. Does it, is there a certain bursting of the myth when you come down here and you see that a lot of the, the South is like strip malls and yeah. right. uh, like, you know, still like dollar, dollar stores. Yeah, there's some serious hollers. We got obsessed with hollers the first time we, we came down. Just to North Carolina, like, oh, that's like, well, there's a lot of hollers. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. I almost feel like this might, this probably very show to show and tour to tour, but I kind of feel like we almost played less of the trad stuff in the States. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we kind of tailored the set list. Like, mm-hmm. up in Canada, for example, when you're coming to see us, you might be coming to see the Slow Can Ramblers, you might also be coming to see a bluegrass show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we are the bluegrass bands coming through town. There's, like, a bunch of good bands in Canada, but there's, it's still, like, pretty limited. There's just not that many compared to in the States. So I feel like often in Canada, we'll do our own stuff, and we'll be more inclined to throw some really classic ones in the set, because, like, you're rolling into a town, there's a bunch of bluegrass fans, they never see bluegrass come through. So we just it's fun for us to play real classics and fun for them to hear it. In the States, like, for example, like, we play, like, Merle Fest or any venues that do a lot of bluegrass, I feel like we lean towards more of the original stuff. And a lot of our original stuff is pretty bluegrassy, but sometimes we kind of ditch a few of the really, like, there's, for example, like, there's going to be, like, five or six bands at any given moment at Merle Fest probably playing Dark Hollow. Mm-hmm. It's like, maybe we can do our own version of that, and that's cool, but mm-hmm. maybe we don't have to. Maybe we should just throw our originals or our more obscure ones in the set and leave Dark Hollow for, like, a Canadian set when someone has, you know, never gets a chance to hear it. I kind of think we do that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting to see how that happens. But, I mean, it, it is also really fun. It's it's There's two sides to it. It's also really fun to come to the States because we're playing for audiences that know bluegrass. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's no explaining as to what a mandolin is. <laughs> they know what a banjo is. They know the style. They get it. And they're super into it in that way. So Yeah, like when we, we did that, we were playing at Merle Fest. Part of it yeah. was... Uh, you do these school workshops and you go into the schools and, and you play for a bunch of kids and had a great time. And, you know, we kind of have, we've, we've done that a lot over the years. And so we have a, a bit of a, a routine that we do. And part of it is like, you know, how many of you guys have ever seen a banjo before or a mandolin? And you get one or two hands. And then like this time we're like, how many of you guys ever know what this instrument is? Every single hand goes up. You know, yeah, well, like, that's there's awesome. like a 20 minute like, segment right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole history of the banjo thing. Okay, let's just ditch that. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about uh, our prime minister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff that you play, you know, is pretty fast. I mean, it's pretty, like, you know, next-level fast. Yeah. That, uh, you know, you have to sort of have it be so intricately locked in, but also the beauty of bluegrass is it sounds sort of rustic and, yeah. and loose yeah. And, yeah, and, totally. and fun. Uh, how do you guys practice that to get the parts fast and locked in? Uh, well... Each on our own, like a lot of individual just practicing, even on the road, like we'll 
if there's like we have a bit of a day off or something, we'll be practicing on our own. But we get together a lot and just put on the metronome and and, and crank it up and see how fast we can kind of get it before we're losing our minds. But yeah, it's just constant constant band practice, constant practicing on your own, and just always trying to kind of push it a bit. The metronome is a big part of it, I think. Yeah. yeah, I think also too over the years, like I think we've always practiced with the metronome. I think that's been a big part of what we do. But I think just like playing shows and gigs for you know like being on tour for the last like six years there's a certain kind of like natural thing that's happened like we were practicing yesterday and doing some metronome stuff and things just like feel better now in a way that they didn't like you know four years ago and it's I don't know if it's just like slowly getting used to all the intricacies of everybody's time feel or just like the physicality of just like doing it so much but it's just kind of slowly over the years things have kind of started to gel and those fast tempos have gotten easier I think and felt better I mean, it was yeah. funny yesterday. We did a big, yeah, big pre-tour metronome practice, and the fast ones were the easiest ones. The really fast tunes, like, okay, that sounds pretty good. Let's move on. The slower tunes, we spent a lot of time on. Yeah, that's so, what people, I think, kind of yeah. mid-tempo don't realize is how yeah. how actually difficult it is to sing soft. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, to yeah. play yeah. in time slowly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most sure. people, oh, yeah. yeah, most people, it's like, yeah, let's play quieter, and then they just slow down. You're for like, sure. Why did you slow down? Why are you speeding up when you're playing faster? Everyone has those tendencies. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah, I mean, the first like three years is just becoming aware of those tendencies. Yeah. Then you can start to fix them, but uh, you don't even. Re- I mean, most people have no idea. Like you know, we all teach, and I feel like with every student, I ask them to play quieter, and they all slow down without realizing it. Also, like delivering a slow song. I mean, I feel like it's the easy trap to fall into that it's like what if you can play rippers and you want to like engage an audience, <clears throat> it's just like the easy thing to do to get the crowd riled up. But like to like deliver that same kind of energy and kind of emote the same way with like a slow tune or a soft tune and kind of like get the same reaction as it was if you were just bashing out like a bunch of really fast bluegrass. It's, I think, much more difficult. You know what? Since we have all the instruments in this room, I think we're going to have to demonstrate this musically. <laughs> Play tune? I think we're going to... Let's get the instruments out. Don't worry about the bass. Okay. Before we do the full song, I want to do a couple examples of this with the guitar, mandolin, and banjo. Is that, is that cool? Yeah, we sure. can absolutely right. do that. Sure. For kids at home. <laughs> so, can you please demonstrate, if you can, the fast practice versus the slow practice? Yeah, I mean, should we put a metronome on, or, like, how should we do it? Yeah. Let's just get real technical about okay, it. Okay, let's yeah. get real technical. This is what we do. We, we sit around... 190. Uh, yeah. 190. We'll, we'll make it uh, doable. Is 190 the point of no return? I, know, I, yeah, I can't play near that fast. 160. What do you got now? 164. This is the ner- don't put it too close to the mic. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is the nerdiest thing that's ever happened. On <laughs> yeah, like this is not cool. People are gonna think we're less cool now. Well, no, but this is this is this is this is important. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we just we'll probably just play one chord, like just one jam. One.
I need a ladder. We need yeah. to plug her in or something. We usually plug it into a, a series. That's our excuse right now. Blast it. Nothing to do with the play. But that's the funny thing is that like people see acoustic instruments and it's like oh it's gonna be like kind of quaint quiet right. music, like just like the three of you <laughs> like facing me. Sorry for blasting. It's so awesome, like and powerful. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know it's just like fierce sound yeah. coming straight mm-hmm. at you. You know. And that's when we add Al on the bass too, it just gives it that low end oh, yeah. drive. You know. Yeah, that was a funny thing. Like growing up, especially like you know. Like acoustic, you think of most people think of acoustic music, and it has this kind of the opposite quality. It's like a little daintier. It's yeah. Quite pretty. It's pretty open sounding. Yeah. And bluegrass is like dense and fast and bright and just like all that other the whole other side of the equation. The mandolin, like especially when you're not soloing, it has this sort of there's a bit of a thankless job in, in, in bluegrass that's so <laughs> essential. Up there, right? Where yeah. it's just like you are the the drummers going. Yeah, totally. And yeah, normally, I mean, normally the right hand, like, kind of subdivides, like, you don't really hear about it. that tempo, it just becomes... Yeah. Just Whatever. Like chopping wood. Yeah, yeah, I mean, acoustic instruments are super percussive. That's the cool thing about them, in a way. It's like, they're all, like, just kind of, like, mid-range rhythm machines. Yeah. And they can just pump out quarter notes and eighth notes and play really good rhythm. And, uh, I mean, the funniest thing that's happened to us, like, bunch of times it's like I've had people that I know who are pretty into music come up to me and say they love the drums on the album <laughs> yeah so like I had a buddy and he was like dude you guys took a whole different like approach to this record like you got a drummer like what made you do that I think it sounds amazing though I was like I don't know what you're talking about yeah, like, there's yeah. just no drummer on any of our albums so right. it's happened quite a few times I think just the percussiveness of the mandolin probably with the bass and everything all mixed in it Sounds like a drummer. If you're not used to it, you can well, there's a special it. art to that in uh, acoustic music where there's this just bounding train going mm-hmm. through the station yeah. thing. A lot of forward momentum. That you don't need drums, yeah, you know. Totally. Which is, yeah. and that's a very powerful thing. Is you could do it anywhere, yeah, mm-hmm. and it can just sort of be there and be super powerful. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, so give me your slow practice. <laughs> well. Um. Yeah, totally. This is one that we uh, we spent a long time. We we worked on the metronome too, but also we found um, one of the things about these kind of songs is if it's so vocal driven, is to really just because you there is no drummer and there like you actually have the ability to sort of fluctuate uh, with certain phrasing. And so this is one that we kind of came to the conclusion that uh, we could sort of just follow whoever's singing mm-hmm. and uh, and then you get this really kind of elastic but really nice feel to it. So this is this old Don Stover song I was hearing that uh, I wanted to play on the record. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was challenging for us to get this up right. Seemed if we can do it. Story. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like there's so much restraint in the, yeah. in, in the yeah. slow yeah. ones. You, you want to speed up? Yeah. yeah. It's nice to, you know, the thing is, um, like, the, I guess the traditional bluegrass outfit is uh, what we have, the guitar, bass, mandolin, and banjo. And then also there's a fiddle that's usually in that in mm -hmm. that instrumentation. And so um, playing those slow, slow songs, I always find you, you actually, you you really notice that the fiddle's not there because those long tones of uh, can can really, you know, Oh beef gosh. up a lot of those songs um so it's been a fun challenge for this band is really finding those the tonal qualities and the sort of function of that instrument or whether it's a dobro or something else uh and trying to replicate you know what it's doing or replicate the function of what it's doing and see if we can do that so when we're arranging oftentimes if there's a feel that we've heard that we really want to apply to a song you'll play it and be like oh, okay what is the fiddle player doing here is long tones well maybe we can substitute like bowed bass or maybe mm -hmm. we can substitute you know, tremolo on the mandolin and trying to sort of patch it together with what we have. And, and that's always kind of a fun problem solving. So since you guys are very pleasant Canadians, uh, <laughs> have come into a large American city here. Thanks, eh? I figure that we should try something. Oh, I saw no. these earlier and I'm glad that's very, out. very American and very crass. But we're going to do, do it. it as a creative springboard. Okay. So we're going to take one person at a time, a card from Cards Against Humanity. Okay. And you're going to compose on the spot a solo or a small piece based on this card. Okay? Just out of your brain and your instrument. So we're starting the guitar. Sure. And the first card is 50 milligrams of Zoloft. Zoloft. I think that's what is it, antidepressant? <laughs> Probably something like. <laughs> Zola. It's like Spanish Zoloft. <laughs> yeah. All right, on the mandolin, we're gonna do <clears throat> sperm whales. From Wales. Man, good luck, bud. <laughs> I think your mandolin goes that low. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's beautiful, yeah. beautiful sperm whale. <laughs> And on the banjo, oh. hot cheese. Hot cheese, oh. Hot oh, cheese. Yeah. 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 Hot cheese. Alright, going back to the guitar. All right. Oh, round two. These have been too tame so far. Yeah, I know. On the guitar, we're gonna try getting crushed by a vending machine. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's, That's like good. like maybe at a at a metal show. Yeah, I <laughs> picture it happening at least. There's this venue. Uh, I think it was in Cleveland where the vent the vending machine they have in the lobby just sells condoms 
and like douches and tampons <laughs> oh. and like STD preventative devices. Yeah. We saw one with a pregnancy test in it once. We it was did, like Doritos. Yeah. A ballpoint pen. And a pregnancy test. Where was it? Uh, that was in a small Medicine. town in Alberta. Medicine Hat, Alberta. Oh, wow. Town. Medicine Hat's a cool town. That was a good bar, too. Mario's. <laughs> it wasn't really a good bar, actually. No, it wasn't. A lot of people. <laughs> this was this really, uh, this great, there was this guy who was just really drunk, enormous guy, like, just kept falling over and passing. At one point, he just fell over and passed out. And then Frank helped him up, which was nice of Frank. Uh, he, he had oh. no socks on, and Frank yeah. kind of touched his foot <laughs> and, like, took this man's on. foot, like, into the shoe. It's really like Christian moment for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in medicine hat? In medicine hat, hat. yeah. Mm. And some guy tried to follow me around the bar and I just pretended I was on my phone and didn't know who he was. Mario's pub. Mario's, Mario's pub. pub. It was a good night. God bless, man. We played up in Alaska in January. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, and it was 16 below zero yeah. in, in Fairbanks when we flew in. It was pretty cold. And we were like, let's try to take a an Uber into town. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and there was like one guy, you know, yeah, right. Driving Uber, and he was a, a native Alaskan guy. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, he looked like a sumo wrestler. Like, you know, and he was wearing a tank top and shorts. No. Yeah. In his SUV. Yeah. <laughs> 16 below zero. And he's like, oh, I'm from up north. This is, like, not that cool. Yeah. 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 Right. Fairbanks is down south. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. He's like, this is super there. easy. Yeah. 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 He's like, minus 40s. All right, who's next? I'll be the one, I guess. No, that's too easy. All right. Mandolin... Sitting on my face and telling me I'm garbage. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. A little bluesy, sexy moment there. <laughs> All right, back to I thought the these were supposed to be weird cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these are like very friendly cards. Maybe it knows you're Canadian. It does. I think it's sparing us. <laughs> okay, Banjo, waking up half naked in a Denny's parking lot. Oh, oh man. Well, you've got Where you would buy hot cheese. <laughs> yeah. Hot cheese. We can't let the bass player be off the hook here. Yeah, you gotta do That's something here. Good. I just I don't have an instrument. Yeah. No, sorry. You're gonna we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it just out out of your your brain waves here. Okay. Okay. So. It is. So when I say this card, you're gonna okay. tell me exactly the thing you think first. Okay. okay. Without hesitating. Oh God, I can't say that. Let's at least see what it was. Then. That would just be real offensive. Okay, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm okay, and kissing grandma on the forehead and turning off her life support. <laughs> Hard to do? I don't know. Yeah, that's a. Is your grandma, any grandma still around? I don't, you know what? I, uh, both my grandmothers are passed. I did not. I guess one was passed before I was alive, and the other, I did. Kissed her while she was alive, but I never turned off her life support. And, uh, yeah. You're a monster. Yeah, I'm a monster. She was a wonderful lady. I still love her. What was the coolest thing about your grandma that you can remember? Um, 
you know, she was uh, she was Scottish, so she lived. My my dad's from Edinburgh, so I only ever met her a few times in my life, and she always. Did she have a cool brogue? She had a great accent, and she the funniest thing was she always used to go on about my Canadian accent. She'd be like, "Alistair, you've got such a cute Canadian accent." And I'm like, "I don't have an accent," but she. Uh, yeah, she used to bring me down because I would I went and visited her when I was you know kind of in like high school or whatever and uh, by myself and and uh, yeah she would always take me out to the pub she'd take me out in the afternoon you'd go get a Mars bar everybody in Scotland loves Mars bars and then in the evening we'd go down to the pub and I'd have a beer and she'd tell me stories I was like this is good I like this Mars bars right. Mars bars and then the pub you know covering all the spectrums yeah good combo yeah that's a winning combo I want to uh, reiterate that I did not. Yeah, have anything to do with ending life support? <laughs> yeah. This is too much fun. We're going to do one more and then we're okay. that's it. Okay. Going back around, starting guitar. All right. And this, I have to film this for social media because it's too fucking funny. Okay, so what we're doing with the Slocan Ramblers is a uh, stream of consciousness jam, instrument by instrument, using as a creative springboard cards against humanity cards because it's the most rude American thing possible for very pleasant Canadians. So we're gonna go a guitar jam based on self-loathing. Man. Self-loathing moment, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, is that the song, I just don't play anything? <laughs> and feel bad for just myself? yourself? It might sound a lot like Spanish uh, Zola or whatever. Self-loathing, I don't know. <laughs> what what is the song that you would put on when you're in the worst mood to get you pumped up? Uh, Cheer yourself up. Whole lot of Rosie by ACDC. I have this envision. You know the song. No. It starts off and it's just like then okay. it's Bon Scott monologuing for a bit. But there's just this wicked riff off the top, and I always picture Frank walking into a pool hall, hustling people, and the song comes on with six minutes it. to live. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There we go. Yeah, that's a good public song. We also are really into this song called Bob by Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, yeah. And it's all palindromes. It's amazing. Check out the lyrics. It's hilarious. Give us a few, like, do a photo. Yeah. Uh, there's a line that's like... Hang a salami on lasagna. Yeah. Just, you gotta listen to the song. I love that... Uh, he had the number one album in the States, like, last summer. Like really? Yeah, really? like... You know, I guess that is a maybe a comment on the weirdness of the music industry right now. <laughs> right, yeah. But like enough people like love Weird Al that he was like, I can't believe it. I'm the number one pop artist in the country right now for like one week. You know, well, how yeah. long has his career been? Like how many? Like three decades? Oh like, yeah, maybe pushing four. It's, it's amazing, yeah. actually. All right, one more. Let's see. So <clears throat> it's all you. It's all me. I don't know. Hot cheese was pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is uh, the mandolin, and we're going with peeing a little bit. <laughs> hey, that didn't work. <laughs> One second. <clears throat> Okay, the next card on mandolin will be peeing a little bit. 
<laughs> just a little bit. Just, right. just a little bit. That's all you get. That's all you got. Okay, last one on banjo. Okay. <clears throat> Finally, our last one on banjo. Uh, this one will be men discussing their feelings in an emotionally healthy way. Whoa. <laughs> pretend you've done that. Yeah, pretend. Alright, should we finish off with a, a full song? Sure. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> what song are you gonna leave us with? Should like they call me Wanga or something? Yeah. Well I'll just do a fun one to leave you with. This is one that I got again from Dave Evans. It's one of my favorite singers, and uh, it's called They Call Me Long Gone. <laughs> do me a favor, face face away. Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know.
Here they go now, Toronto's finest, the Slokin Ramblers. You can go to slokinramblers.com for their music and their tour dates. That's S-L-O-C-A-N ramblers.com. Uh, they're playing some wonderful festivals in Canada. Uh, the Blue Skies Music Festival, August 3rd. The Forest Festival, August 15th. The Shady Grove Bluegrass Festival, August 16th. Man, I love the names of these. The Nimble Fingers Festival in British Columbia, August 24th. If you go to thebluegrasssituation.com, you can actually find a stream of their newest record, Queen City Jubilee, and uh, they actually talk about how it came together. I love the story about how the zombie ended up on their cover. My group, Dust Bowl Revival, will be playing some wonderful festivals at the end of September, uh, including a kind of hometown show outside L.A. at the Huck Finn Jubilee on the 28th. And then uh, actually right before that, we'll be at the Boats and Bluegrass Fest in Winona, Minnesota. And then starting in October, we are playing a month and a half straight in Europe. Holy guacamole, we've never done a tour quite like this before. Uh, we're going to be playing in the Netherlands, and Germany, and Belgium, and Sweden, and the UK. We're playing in London. Guys, if you haven't told your European friends about us, do me a favor. Playing to an empty room in a tiny town in the Netherlands, it sounds fun, but it isn't. It may seem like beating a dead horse, but I'm going to say it one more time. If there's a band that you love, you love their songs, they mean something to you, but maybe they're not reaching a wide audience yet. Tell your buddies about them. Tell your family about them. Send their records out into the world and have people listen on a road trip with you. It's a great way to experience the music. As the trees and the sky are going by, the music sinks into your brain and it makes you feel something. That's what it's all about. That's why I love driving. So maybe you're listening to this right now in your car in Cleveland or in your front yard in Amsterdam. It doesn't matter. Do not wait to tell the world about the music that moves you. Because you know what? If you don't tell people, it may be gone. The Show on the Road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love The Show on the Road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends, and also be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now on the bluegrasssituation.com. The Show on the Road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lubitin. See you on the trail.